Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So today's episode is kind of like, I think I found my kindred spirit person to interview, right? And there's a lot of commonalities that you guys have been hearing me preach for the longest about getting a PA, getting a VA. And guess who we have on the show is someone that can tell you more insight and more detail than I ever possibly can about that space. In addition to it, she's also a stroke, a fellow stroke survivor as well. So without further ado, Michelle, the floor is yours. Tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Hey, thank you so much for having me on Boss Uncaged. This is amazing. I'm super stoked to be here. Um, so my name is Michelle Thompson. And as you alluded to, uh, five years ago, I had a stroke. And I like to joke and say that that was uh, the beginning of what started an accidental business. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of get into that. But um, uh, previously, I was a project controls engineer, um, went to school, got my MBA, all that good fun stuff, uh, but kind of have always had that entrepreneurial bug. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that, but uh, just super excited to be here. Great, great. So I mean, I think you definitely kind of brought it up. Like, I didn't start boss and cage until literally I was leaving out from the hospital post stroke. So I <laughs> So let's just dive into that a little bit. Let's, just, let's back it up and let's just kind of tell, like, what led you into having a stroke? Is it more, like, for me, it's genetic. Like, my parents, like, my, my dad, his dad, all of them had strokes. So genetically, I was inclined for it. So in your end, like, what, what, what was your determinant factor? Yeah, so mine was genetic, too. Um, we had an underlying uh, hereditary blood disorder in our family that mm-hmm. we didn't know anybody had. Um, and I was lucky enough that I got it from both my mom and my dad. (laughs) Um, so it was kind of a double whammy. So, uh, there's, it's something called factor five and I have, uh, what's called homozygous factor five, which means I got it from both my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. Most people, it's actually pretty common for people to have heterozygous Hmm. factor five, which means they only got it from one parent. And that doesn't usually cause any problems. Uh, it's when you get it from both parents that, um, they, in, in the fifties, they used to call it like sticky blood syndrome. Uh, and, uh, so basically what happens is, um, inside of my, uh, veins, it thinks that there's constantly a cut. And so it's trying to put a scab on the cut. Mm. So it's constantly making blood clots. And that particular day, uh, blood clot went up into my brainstem and, and that's what happened. Uh, but you're wow. right. Um, I, it took three years to recover. It didn't, I didn't just leave the hospital and boom, business. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's definitely um, well, obviously, I always give whoever I'm interviewing a nickname. So I'm going to deem you the awesome boss. Right. Let's clear the record. So, so, you know, from now on, you're the awesome boss. So oh, yeah, I can own that. Yeah, definitely. Right. So in, in being in that, that, that you're awesome in the sense that you talk about it took three years to recover, like my recovery was completely different than that. Right? I, I was kind of like headstrong and determined to come out. But you're not you don't always have that control. So what does those three years look like? And in those three years, like. What made you think it was okay to start a business? Yeah. um, Honestly, those three years were horrible. And Mm. if I'm honest, um, Mm. I was not the most willing patient. Um, I 
when I first, when we first found out, <clears throat> excuse me, what the underlying condition was, mm-hmm. they basically sat me down and said, Michelle, you need to create a power of attorney. You need to create a will. Um, and basically you need to create your funeral arrangements. What do you want done? Because it's not a matter of if you have another stroke, it's a matter of when you have another stroke and you were super, super lucky the first time, the next time you're probably not going to be so lucky. And when I heard that, um, I decided, you know what, there is no way that I'm going to let myself have another stroke and potentially it doesn't kill me, but I'm just going to sit there like a vegetable and have to suck carrots through a straw for the rest of my life. And that is what scared me the most. And to be real honest, <clears throat> sorry, I, um, I decided I was just going to end it all. Um, so I was, I was driving home from the, the, uh, my neurologist and, uh, let's be honest. I, I wasn't uh, brave enough to actually like kill myself, but I figured there's this really big cliff that's coming up. And if I just drive my car over it, I'm not going to like take anybody else out with me, mm-hmm. but chances are I'm not going to survive. So that's, that's not a bad way to go. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I was literally 10 miles from, from this cliff and, um, the Bluetooth went off in my car. And so automatically I just hit the thing. And, uh, ironically it was my doctor and, um, she was like, Hey, Michelle, I know life's been really, really crappy the last six months. So I just wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing. And I literally just started laughing. Right. Um, cause she had no idea. Um, and I was like, you're kidding. Right. And she's like, no, I'm serious. And she, she's like, why do you ask that? I said, cause I'm literally about to drive the car off a cliff hmm. and, her reaction was amazing. Like any other reaction, I probably, it probably wouldn't have changed anything, Mm. but she was so nonchalant about it. She was like, well, okay. Um, that's no problem, but you can always drive your cliff off a car to you drive your car off a cliff tomorrow. So why don't you just come in and see me Mm. and see if we can do something to help. And if not, drive your car off the cliff tomorrow. No big deal. Hmm. And, uh, I was like, all right, well that's reasonable. And she, <laughs> I know. Right. Like, um, and she was actually the one that found the factor five. Like I had literally been to 10 doctors before this and they all told me I was lying. They all told me there's nothing wrong with you. You're making this up. You're totally fine. And she was the one that actually listened and, hmm. and found it. And so I had a very quite a bit of respect for her. So honestly, just out of respect for her, I went and showed up and, um, and she sat me down and she's like, you know, Michelle, she's like, anybody who has gone through this would want to kill themselves. This, this is normal. Like you're, it's okay to want to kill yourself. She's like, but I think we can make it better. So can we try? And I thought, well, okay. Now at this point in time, I'm still dragging my right side. I'm still slurring my speech. I still am having seizures probably three times a day. Um, it's very painful, not fun. Right. And, um, so I was like, all right, well, out of respect for you, I will give you two weeks. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and she did something incredibly brilliant. Um, she didn't like send me to therapy. She didn't try to lock me up. Uh, she got a hold of my best friend. And she's like, Hey, I can't tell you exactly what's going on. All I can tell you is Michelle needs some help. 
And so my buddy, Michael called me and if you know, Michael, it's like, it's hilarious. Cause we're like Mutt and Jeff, right. He's like six feet, like 200 pounds. Like he's this like huge guy. And I'm like five, one, like, you know, um, I won't out myself on my weight. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so he's like, Hey, he's like, can we go to Starbucks? And I'm like, no, we cannot go to Starbucks. I have seizures. I slur. I can't walk. We're not going to Starbucks. Right. He's like, no, no, it'll be okay. Just, just come to Starbucks. I was like, okay, fine. So, um, we got there and, you know, he sat me down and he's like, Hey, he's like, I know that things have been tough and I know you're thinking about leaving. I just want you to know that I'm going to miss you. Hmm. And he's like, I don't blame you. He's like, if I were in your situation, I'd probably do the same thing. But until then, do you think we could just hang out? Can we just go hiking and I'll help you hike? I know you can't walk, but let's just go do it. And I went, okay, but as long as nobody else is around, because I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> right. And so we did. And it was so funny because he took me to REI. And um, I don't know if you guys have REIs where you are, but it's basically like this huge like camping store. And Michael is like the most never wants to bring attention to himself at all type person. And he got down in REI and he started putting a tent together in the middle of the store <laughs> just so that I would get interested in something. Hmm. And, uh, and it worked, you know? Um, so I decided, all right, well, I'm going to stick around a little longer just to hang out with Michael and then, you know, hmm. we'll see what happens. And in that time, my doctor got me to start doing physical therapy and not just physical therapy, but also occupational therapy. Um, so by the time I'd actually gotten to a neurologist, um, who, who listened, uh, it had been six months. So the brain damage that I had was permanent. They couldn't, they couldn't fix it at that point. And so physical therapy was all about how I, learning how to live with your new reality. Like we're never going to get back what you had. Your MBA is gone. You're never going to be able to do math above a second grade level, but we can make life livable. And so honestly, I like bucked against it for like two months. And the one day I'll, I'll never forget, I was sitting there and I was like the grumpiest patient in the world. I totally was. I just didn't want to be there. I was just miserable and she just had it. And, uh, she sat me down and she's like, Michelle, she's like, we can keep doing this. She's like, but you're not going to get anywhere. She's like, do you have any idea how freaking lucky you are? Hmm. And I went, what? I just had a stroke and you're sitting here telling me I'm lucky. She's like, look, she's like, if you had been born just 40 years ago, I'd never be able to do any of the things that I can do with you today. But because of all the technology that we have, I can teach you how to have a relatively normal life. If you will just shut up and listen and stop feeling so freaking sorry for yourself. And I went, Ooh, okay. And it was hilarious because it's exactly what I needed to hear. Like I needed to stop the pity party. Oh my gosh, life is over, blah, blah, blah and be thankful for what I actually had. And that was kind of the turning point was when she basically had like a come to Jesus meeting with me. Right. <laughs> and, um, 
and that was what started to change it all. We started to learn how to automate my entire daily routine. And so in the house, I live in a very, very controlled environment because I still do crazy things like I think I'm making coffee and the water goes in the toaster instead of the coffee pot, (laughs) Um, which is usually a bad thing. Um, So I have a Google home in, in each one of my rooms and it actually reminds me, Michelle, it's time to brush your teeth. Michelle, you need to drink water. Michelle, you need to check and see if the dog needs to go to the bathroom. Um, So literally every single part of my life is structured by, by a machine. And we got to the point where I could actually um, live almost by myself and I could function and, and create things on my own. And we learned, you know, okay, hey, when you turn the stove on, set a timer. And in 10 minutes, when the timer goes off, check to see if you turned the stove off uh, type of a deal. And so having the business background from prior I started rolling this all around in my brain and I thought, wow, if we can do this for everyday life, why can't we do it for business too? And that was when it really started, really started clicking. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what, if now this is three years down the road, right? Fast forward three years. And I started thinking, you know what? I don't know how much time I have left. What is the legacy that I want to leave? And what do I really want to transfer to the next generation when I'm not here? And I realized that I wanted to pair my business knowledge Mm -hmm. with how I learned how to automate and outsource. And so I started recording videos on how to um, delegate and delegate well. And the way that I did it was really funny. I, I would, um, a lot of people, you know, think it has to be super complicated. I made it stupid simple. Like, okay, if you know that tomorrow you're going to get hit with a Mack truck, what is the information that you can download into a video today? All those micro decisions that you're making in your brain so that you could then pass that video off to somebody else so they would know how to do that task. And we just started slowly creating a video for every single thing in my business. And it got so good that I would wake up and in my inbox would be 40 hours worth of work that I hadn't done at all. And my friends who were my colleagues were like, what the heck, Michelle, you can't even function in your house. How are you doing this? And so I started to tell them and, and I started to show them. And they're like, holy crap, this is amazing. Let's try it with my stuff. I said, okay, but if it blows up, it's your fault, <laughs> right? And, uh, and so we did. And it worked like really, really well. And so then what happened was from there, just the kind of natural progression was everybody's like, oh my gosh, you need to teach this to the world. Like you need to create a course, right? Like, cause you know, everybody's making a course. And, <laughs> um, and so I did, I created this course. And uh, we put a couple people through the beta and it worked really well. But the feedback that we got was, you know, Michelle, this is great that this is your, like you're really fired up and excited about this, but I don't want to learn how to find a VA in the Philippines and train them. Like, can you just do it for me? And 
at first I was very hesitant because I only have about two to three good hours a day. Um, other than that, I, I have to sleep. I still have to sleep a lot. And so I was afraid that I was going to take on other business owners tasks and I wouldn't be able to deliver. Hmm. And so I had a couple who very, uh, I was very unwilling, honestly. Uh, they're like, Michelle, just try it. And if it doesn't work, we're not going to hold you responsible. And I said, okay, let's try it. And so I literally took them through the exact same process that I did myself and it worked really well. And I realized the missing piece was all I needed was a project manager. And so we hired a project manager and now the process is duplicatable and then accidental business was born, which is pretty awesome. First of all, and in, 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 in what you just said, and, and this is why I said like, we're like kindred spirits. I mean, you, you talked about legacy, right? And, 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 and it's kind of like, it's funny, like after a stroke, that's like the first thing that I've, that I've learned about myself as well. It's kind of thinking about what am I going to leave behind for future people, future generations. And you also kind of unraveled something that's very difficult to deal with when you have a stroke is depression. And I think most people, they may hear us having this conversation right now and probably be like, there's no way in hell these two people have had strokes. There's no way in hell these two people's faces were, were drooping. There's no way in hell that their bodies were like numb on one side and they're having this conversation right now. But the reality is that you have to work your ass off to get to the point to where we are currently right now. But on that journey, you get hit with that. I was this, now I'm this. I can never be this again. How the hell am I going to live for myself? And not to say everyone's going to be suicidal, but you go into very dark places and trying to figure out what the light is. So I commend you for not only figuring out the light, but you made the light into a system and you monetized it. It's golden. It's definitely golden. So let's just time travel back a little bit. Like, like I think something else that we shared as well, too. I mean, you were in insurance as well. Like, are you still like an active life insurance agent and all that as well? No, actually, I, I let them lapse, but okay. yeah, I did. I used to. I used to have my Series 6, 63, 65, and then my life and health. It's crazy because I, I had my 6 as well, and I let that last because I was like, I don't feel like dealing with FINRA. I still have my insurance because I was like, okay, that's kind of low maintenance. I could kind of maintain that. So, right. how, so how did you go from kind of being in that space, transitioning into like the MBA? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so... um when I was a, a financial advisor and worked mm -hmm. for uh, the insurance firm, I was actually hired to run the insurance department. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so the goal was for me to become a partner in the firm. Mm -hmm. And so in order to become a, a partner in the firm, I really needed to have better credentials. I either needed to get my CFP or needed to get my MBA. Um, and we already had a CFP on staff. And so I decided that MBA would be the better route. And so honestly, that's how it happened. <laughs> got it. Got it. So if you could define yourself in three to five words, what three to five words would you choose for yourself? Mm, determined. Patient. Hmm. Visionary. I don't know how to say this in one word, but never give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So 
you have a business now that's essentially pretty much self-maintained to a certain extent. I mean, I'm sure your hands are still in the business, but you have it so systematized that you could, you're using your own soup, right? You're outsourcing it. Like, how was your business structured? Is it an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp? Yeah, so it's structured as an LLC, um, okay. but it's a... Um, there's different types of LLCs. So ours is actually an LLC S. Um, so it's actually filed. Um, when we file taxes, it's, it's almost like a sole proprietor, uh, but it, but it is its own, um, entity. And I just didn't want to bring on more than one partner. Um, so that's why it had to be an S. Gotcha. So, so you're a partnership as well. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't want to have to get a board. I didn't want to have okay. to mess with that. Yeah. yeah. So I set up the LLC, and then when we file taxes, it, it goes through the S. Gotcha. So, listening to this podcast, someone may listen and say, "Okay, in three years, it took you to kind of overcome and kind of become who you are right now." But obviously, the business that you're in has just started. But essentially, you've been on the journey for a long period of time. So, how long have you been on your business journey? Yeah, I started uh, like everybody did with their little side hustle, um, dabbling in entrepreneurship and outsourcing 15 years ago. So, gotcha. So, outsourcing. So, I guess let's just dive into this outsourcing. And obviously, I love this topic because I always tell people that you have to understand that if you could multiply what you're doing, in multiple different time codes, then you could be working while you're awake or you're sleeping and things are getting done for you around the clock. So you you alluded to the Philippines earlier. Is there a particular reason why you use the Philippines versus other resources? Yes, uh, a couple of very specific ones. Uh, so first of all, the Filipino culture is amazing. They're very teamwork driven. They're very family driven. Mm. Um, and so when I wanted to build a business, I wanted to make sure that I was building a team, not just a group of people who just wanted a job. I wanted somebody who was going to take ownership and, and want to build the company as much as I did. Mm. Um, and so I found that culture there. Uh, another really big reason is English is their primary language. So if you go inside of, um, you know, a hospital or, uh, a school or a lawyer's office, uh, they speak English. And so they, Obviously, that that's a that's a huge help um, versus somebody who maybe that's their second or third language. Mm -hmm. um, the third reason is they are very immersed in our culture, uh, so they love Korean drama and then they love pretty much everything else American, right? So they're watching the NBA, uh, they're watching March Madness just like we are. Uh, they're watching the Kardashians. It's funny because they think we're all we all live like the Kardashians, but. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so they understand our slang, they understand yeah. everything like that. So, so that was hugely helpful, but, um, probably the biggest reason that I went to the Philippines was, um, the U S dollar to Filipino peso conversion is very, um, very favorable, yeah. uh, for in the United States. And when I built the business, I decided it wasn't just going to be for money there had to be a bigger why there had to be a reason. And so my goal when I built awesome outsourcing was to actually break the cycle of poverty in the Philippines. Hmm. And so by doing that, what I do is I pay them the equivalent of about $50 an hour in the United States. Hmm. I pay for their health insurance. I pay for their retirement. I pay for their, um, 
they have like a loan program. You can't, you can't buy a car or a house without a loan program there. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay a 13 month bonus, two weeks vacation, and then I pay all the transfer fees. And so what that does is because they're very family oriented, not only does that help them, uh, but they're multi-generational. So that's usually helping their grandparents, their parents, them, their kids, and a lot of times their nieces and nephews and cousins. So what happens is they'll pay for their kids to go to school and then they'll pay for all their nieces and nephews to go to university as well. And so I realized if I can pay them enough that they can provide education for the next generation, we can break the cycle of poverty one employee at a time. And that's what we're doing. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's just, I'm just trying to re like listen to what you just said and just breaking it down. And it's just kind of like, to be honest, you didn't have to do that. You chose to do that. So it, it also kind of gives like not only commendable for you, but you're actually making a difference, which is is, is great in, in a sense. So, I mean, let's just talk about that a little bit. So you're not essentially giving away money, but you're having them work for, for a living. You're paying them a higher premium than let's say majority. I mean, I think the Philippines, you know, I could probably get a PA for $3 an hour, $4 an hour. So you're going essentially 15 fold, 10 fold above that. And you're doing that to change an entire. So what, what is your long-term plan for that? I mean, what do you see that structure look like 20 years from now? Yeah. So the cool part is, is we're actually seeing it now. Um, mm-hmm. So a couple stories I had, um, one of my guys who's still in, in college mm-hmm. and he was one of my video editors and he did such a, a good job that I gave him a ton of work. And, um, I, for video editing, I happened to pay per minute of, mm-hmm. of editing. So I paid him $8 per minute of video editing. Well, we paid him so well that, uh, he was actually able to go into his class and pay for his entire class to have the Adobe suite. And so what that did was they could all then become freelancers and each and every one of them were able to get a job. And so we get stories like that all the time. Um, When they recently just were hit with a a pretty nasty um, typhoon and they all bonded together and put tons of money into the community to rebuild the community. And so my goal is, I hope that, you know, Five years from now, we have 300 employees and we're able to do that for 300 families because I'm able to, to touch each and every part of that. But in addition to that, we're also going in and we're putting in wells, mm-hmm. um, which sounds crazy, right? Because it's the Philippines and there's water everywhere, mm-hmm. but there's not clean water. And there are a lot of homeless people in the Philippines. And so what we're doing is we're picking the outskirts of um not the major cities, but the outskirts, uh, where there are these camps of, of homeless people and we're putting in wells so that they're able to, to just get clean water and, and be able to do simple hygiene things. Mm-hmm. And so as we, um, as we build and grow, we just keep adding on more and more benefits like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely beautiful. So let's, let's, let's think about this from a science fiction point of view. If you could time travel back to say 10, 20 years, What's one thing that you would choose to do differently if you could do it all over again? Oh, great question. I probably would have kicked myself out of the nest faster. Um, And what I mean by that is I was so afraid to take the leap and so afraid to completely outsource because 
nobody could do the job as well as I could. And I didn't really want to give it to anybody because they weren't going to do it the way I wanted it. And then it was just going to create a bunch of rework and blah, blah, blah. Right. I had all my reasons. And by having a stroke, I literally couldn't do the task myself anymore. And what I realized was if I can get somebody else to do that task, 90% of what I would have done. So it's not a hundred percent big freaking deal. Who cares? I freed up my time. I don't have to do it anymore. Huh. Right. I, I, I freed up my brain power. Um, and I use this example of social media posting, right? Business owners, especially entrepreneurs, we spend a ton of time learning all the things, right? So we're, you know, creating social media graphics and, you know, we want it to be perfect, right? Because we want our image to be perfect. And yes, that's all important, but to a certain extent, like if I move, you know, say somebody else makes the graphic and I would have maybe moved the person two degrees to the right. And I would have maybe done something slightly different, changed the color font or whatever. Does that really matter in the grand, huge scheme of things? Not really. Cause my, it's getting done on social media, which it probably wouldn't have gotten done as fast anyway, because I would have still been perfecting it. Secondly, you know, um, is my, my branding and my message still prevalent where somebody's going to look at that and be able to book an appointment and I'm able to help them then. Yeah. So what I found was the interesting part is by me doing all those tasks myself, I was actually doing a disservice to my clients because I was spending so much time doing all those little things that I should have never had my hands in, in the first place, that I wasn't able to help enough people. And so in essence, I was actually doing them a disservice because I was, I was using all my time and brain power on the stuff that I should have been getting rid of. And so if I could do it all over again, I would, I would kick myself out of the nest earlier and make myself delegate sooner. Yeah, it's definitely very, very powerful because, I mean, I had to come with terms with that myself as well, you know, kind of building agencies and building brands. And it's, you know, I have a graphic design background. So for me, to your point about design, you want it like perpendicular to the square. You want it down to the pica and you want everything exact. But the reality is how much time and effort am I going to put into that to deliver something that's going to go across someone's speed for 20 seconds or less? And it's like, was my three hours of doing that really worth the 20 seconds of time for somebody to possibly convert. So, so just just going to your, like your background a little bit, right? So, I mean, obviously you have an MBA, but you, you, you say you don't have it, but you really, I think you're still an MBA quality person. There's some people that have MBAs that don't have your tenacity or have your skill set currently. So do you come from an entrepreneurial background? Cause it seems like it's ingrained in your DNA. I don't at all, actually, mm. which is hilarious. Um, mm. My my family still to this day does not understand why I do what I do. Mm. Um, but it all came when um, I read a book. Uh, mm. The very first book somebody handed me um, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that changed the way that I looked at the world. Mm. And I went, huh. You mean I don't have to do the nine to five thing every day for the rest of my life? Somebody handed me that book when I was 22 Mm -hmm. and I was working retail hours, like 50 hours a week. I have, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with customers spitting on me and like, I'm like, dude, I, I could handle getting out of this. Right. Um, and, uh, so 
that kind of started a fire in me. And the very next book that I picked up was Four Hour Work Week by Timothy yes. Ferris. Yes. And that like really lit the fire, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have found the secret, right? And uh, <laughs> of course it didn't quite work like that, but um, but you know, I did what everybody did. I'm like, oh great, let's outsource something to Brickworks India. And then I'm gonna turn yeah. it into a blog and it's gonna make all this money and it's gonna be yeah. awesome, right? Well, I'm a little older than everybody else probably listening to this. So yeah. that's what we did in the nineties and two thousands. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so those two books really like lit the fire in me. And I started a habit of, um, every month I wanted to read one book that was going to get me 1% better. Yes. And, uh, I've kept that even through Now I can't read anymore. Uh, but I refuse to use that as an excuse. So what I do is I, I buy the book and then I also buy the audible. Yes. And so I listen to the book while I'm looking at the words and then I can, I can comprehend. Um, and I think that, um, that's been like the difference was, was the oh. education in myself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just, I'm just listening to you and it's just, it's like, it's like, you're just preaching to the choir. There's so many similarities in, in, in our stories and, and to your point, I mean, about reading books versus audio books. And because of that, I decided to kind of create a book club and I've, I, like right now in the book club, the goal is to read one book per week. And I've kind of created some videos on like, how is it possible to read one book per week, which goes back to your statement that you said earlier about using devices. So, you know, like in my house, I have Alexa glasses, Alexa toothbrush, Alexa everything, Alexa in the car. So I can seamlessly listen to an audio book no matter where I'm going in my house. It can just transition from device to device. And 20 minutes here, 40 minutes there, it adds up to where you're able to read a book yeah. per week pretty easily. Um, yep. So just to dive into like, like your family life, like how, I mean, obviously it seems like you're completely engaged. And even though that everything is outsourced and systematized, I think that the overview arching of the management side of that may be a little bit difficult. So how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Mm. I am super lucky in that I have a um, very supportive partner and she is, um, she, because a lot of times, even still, I'll be like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and she'll be like, no, Michelle. And she's like, you have to do this. You are so good at this. Mm. Um, and so I, I have a cheerleader in the background. And so nice. that's, that's a huge, huge part of it. Um, but I've set up a lot of boundaries mm. um, with my business. And honestly, my business coach made me do that. Um, so I have, um, I work four to six hours a day. Monday through Friday. I don't do anything on the weekends. And once a quarter, uh, I go away for a week and a half where I never touch anything. Um, and so the reason for that is when we go away for a week and a half, um, what we're really doing is by not doing anything, not only am I unplugging, but we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what's still broken. Mm. And so when something breaks, then I know, okay, that's what I have to pay attention to and systematize when I get back. So what I've done is just one piece at a time, I've slowly systematized everything. So it literally uh, runs very much without me there. Um, so I really don't have to do, um, do anything in my business. It, it really literally runs on its own, which is yeah. amazing. And a lot of people are jealous. So I feel kind of bad saying that. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think it's commendable in a sense that 
to your point of recovering from a stroke, rebranding, rebuilding everything essentially from scratch, it gives everybody else the opportunity to not only admire you, but to follow in your footsteps and understand if you can do it, then why the hell can't we? Why the hell can't anyone else do exactly what you were able to achieve? And like you said, you're running on autopilot at this point in time. There's huge companies that would die to be in your shoes, and they're still trying to figure out how to even process orders. Yeah, and I think that was because I made myself grow slow on purpose because I wanted to build the system and then let it break with three clients versus 300 clients. Mm -hmm. And so I put processes and systems above everything else. And that like, that was more important than the dollar amount coming in, which is, you know, really nice to say, right. Some people can't do that, but at the same time, when you fix that, then you're no longer fighting fires. The time that you would have been spending fighting fires, now you can go build something else, right? And there were a couple of uh, super um, important books that that helped me do that. Uh, one was Work the System by Sam Carpenter. Uh, the other one was actually um, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Have you ever heard of that book? Yep. Okay. And so that forced me to create a business that ran lean and was profitable. Nice. And so by implementing profit first, before I did anything else, then um, I was able to really build the systems around it and grow slowly because from day one, we were profitable. It didn't matter because the numbers worked. That's a beautiful, I mean, it's just, I'm just sitting here and ah, it's just like, I mean, it, it's, it's it's commendable to the, to the extent of like anyone that's listening to this podcast right now and you're hearing what she's saying and you have an opportunity to stop what you're doing and to reevaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it, and how you're doing it. Obviously, the results would be more fruitful if you were to stop long enough to realize that there are issues in the current system and there's opportunities to make them run a lot smoother than they're currently running right now. Um, so diving into your your morning routine, since you're so systematized and you, like you said earlier, you was making coffee, but you may have put that in, in, in the toaster. Like what, what does your morning routines look like? Yeah. So, um, when I wake up, which is, um, seven every morning, mm -hmm. I have a system set up where, um, Google turns on and it mm -hmm. tells me, um, what the weather is going to be like for the day. So I know what to wear. Uh, it tells me what the first three appointments are on my schedule. And then, um, it automatically starts a, um, morning meditation for me. Nice. Uh, and so I actually lay in bed for the first 30 minutes, uh, just listening to that, uh, to get my brain right. Cause when I first wake up, my brain doesn't automatically just hmm. jump out of bed. Um, so I, I do that 30 minute meditation to get, to get my brain right for the day, uh, get up, take a shower. And then I have a checklist, um, on, on my mirror that says, you know, Hey, did you floss? <laughs> did you, uh, brush your teeth? Did you take your medicine? Uh, you know, all the things, right. Um, so then from there I go, um, into the kitchen and it tells me, okay, feed the dog. Uh, so I then feed the dog and open the door where we have a little doggy door so he can go in and out whenever he wants. Um, and then we actually moved everything in our home so that, uh, I can't accidentally put water in the toaster because the toaster used to be right next to the coffee machine. 
And so now the toaster is on this side of the kitchen and the coffee pot's on that side of the kitchen. Nice. Um, so just, just little things like that um, keep me from making mistakes because now when I put the water in and I go over, I can't accidentally put it in the wrong machine. Um, and so it's, and what's cool is like, uh, when you sit and you think about that, right. Then you, you think about it for business, right. What, what happens if we just move the coffee pot over there, right. How does that fix things? Um, so, so anyway, so, um, then make my coffee, I come in, I check my email, um, and then usually I'm on my first appointment uh, by 9.30 or 10. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it almost seems like, and, and I'm going to be frank, and it's actually the question. I mean, the, do you think if it wasn't for the stroke, you would be as effective and as efficient as you are currently because you have to be right now because yeah. of the stroke? Absolutely not. That's, that's why I call the stroke my, you know, my blessing in disguise. Um, mm. Like it, it literally is the silver lining on the cloud because I was so distracted by, you know, pushing harder to get to the next level, to get the corner office, to get the, you know, whatever, whatever it was, right. More clients. I just need that one more perfect client. Right. Um, and so I was so distracted that I didn't take the time to, to sit down and, and really tear it apart. And so had that not happened, I would probably still be spinning my wheels, to be very honest. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's not every day that, that, I, that I have a, um, a guest like you to where I'm kind of like not stop, but it's it just listening to you and just recapping and just revisualizing exactly what you just said and thinking about like, how would everyone's life be uniquely different if they had to go through such a life-changing event, what would they come out with at the end? And you're like the formula for that. Like you took broken eggs and everything and, and you baked a cake that's not only a cake for you, but a cake for uh, family generations in the Philippines and for your, your local family as well. It's, it's definitely, it's an amazing story. Um, so I think earlier we kind of dove into books a little bit, right? So uh, we, before we were talking, you were saying that you also wrote your first book. So, I mean, this is the time usually when I ask for recommendations, but I think you've made like six recommendations for books. So let's dive into your book a little bit. Okay, sure. Yeah, I am super excited about this. Uh, and this will show you the power of outsourcing. Um mm. So I wrote my first book. Um, it's called Running on Auto. Auto yep, it's called Running on Autopilot. Um, how to find, hire, train, and remotely manage a virtual assistant. And here's the cool part about this book: like it is literally the A to Z manual. Everything that I know is in this book. Hmm. But I didn't write this book. <laughs> yes. Um what happened was I took my course that I created and I hired a writer and I said, Noriel, I need you to go through all of these videos and mm. I need you to break them into chapters. Mm. And so he went through and he created all the chapters and then I hired a graphic designer and I said, okay, Lois, I need you to take the words from the chapter and I need you to bring them life. I need pictures. I need graphics. I need examples. I need, mm. Um, you to, to put it in InDesign to create the, the, you know, the book and all that good fun stuff. Um, and so literally, cause I am, I am physically not able to write a book. It's, mm. it's not possible, but I can talk. Mm. 
And so what I did was I just talked the book out into a video and then I outsourced uh, the book. But um, I am super, super proud of of this book. You can find it on Amazon. Um, and it, it literally will teach you from the very beginning infancy stages um, where to find a VA, all the cultural uh, stuff that you need to know, and then how to hire them without having to micromanage. So wow. super proud of it. And it's under, I mean, do you have a pen name or it's under your actual um, Michelle? Yeah, it's under my actual name. Yeah. Wow. Great. Great. So I don't think anyone out there that's, that's looking for opportunity to even comprehend or understand like how these systems could really work for you. I, I, I haven't even picked up the book yet, but obviously, like if I wasn't on this call right now, I would be downloading the book right now. And is it audio format as well? I'm working on it. I'm I'm uh, interviewing somebody to read mm -hmm. it for me at this point because I tend to stutter a lot. <laughs> um, so it's coming. So hopefully in the next two or three months, that part will be done. Perfect, but right perfect. now it's an ebook and um, paperback. Physical. Great, great. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a copy, but obviously I, I want to get a signed copy eventually, sooner or later in, in the near future at some time or the other. So going into like like your, your journey, right? So, I mean, obviously, you know, I think you talked about legacy. Where do you see yourself and your business 20 years from now? And I think you alluded to it a little bit, but just go into that a little bit more. Yeah, honestly, I hope in 20 years, nobody sees me. I hope they just see the legacy that's left. Um, I hope that this has, uh, again, I'll refer to another book, but um, Mike Malkowitz uh, created a book called The Pumpkin Plan. And he talks yeah. about being the biggest pumpkin in the patch and how you are just so awesome to your clients that you are making a world of difference in their lives and your employees' lives. And so I really hope that we are the biggest pumpkin in the virtual assistant space so yeah. that um, we're able to change that many lives because every single person that we're freeing up their time and yeah. giving them their time back as a business owner means that somebody else has a job and I'm now breaking the cycle of poverty in the Philippines. And yeah. that is what I hope. I hope nobody sees me. I hope everybody just sees that. Got it. Got it. So yeah, I think to my point that I made earlier, it was, it was comical in statement, but the reality is like your MBA is working live and well. I mean, you definitely understand business structures and the point of like wealth management as well. Like the further away you are from your clients is the more money and the more of an empire you would essentially have. So you're definitely yeah. on the right track for that. Um, well, and it's, it's back to that profit first, right? Once yeah. we systematize everything, it's just numbers. We know we're profitable, right? The systems yeah. are already there. The more people you put into it, is the more money that it makes. It's, yeah, it's a very, very beautiful true. equation. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like I said, your MBA is live and well. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what I mean, you're talking about these systems, right? So, I think for some people, they they're like, well, what kind of systems are, is she using? Like, I, like I understand there's people, and that's somewhat of a like organic system. But what software technologies are you using that you would not be able to do what you do on a day to day basis without? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that that I do. Um, I automate as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to use almost like a business in a box type mm -hmm. deal where all of my landing pages, my email, um, any tracking, my CRM, um, billing, it's all in one house. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually use Entreport for mm -hmm. that. And I actually hired somebody who's an automation specialist. And so the cool part is, is that literally from the time that somebody clicks on a Facebook ad, uh, it brings them into the system. They have the appointment. 
it sends them a thank you card. It sends them directly, like literally the entire process from start to finish goes without me touching anything, which is, nice. which is amazing. Um, and I probably did a really bad job of explaining that, but it's like yeah. super cool. But then on the, um, the other side, the social media side, I don't want to spend any of my time doing that either. And mm-hmm. my VAs are honestly too valuable to be spending their time doing that when a piece of software can do it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I do is I try to create a hybrid. I figure out what kind of software is going to get us, you know, 80% of the way. And then mm-hmm. how can my VA come in and use their expertise to get it the last 20% of the way? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I use is, is a program called Social Bee. And it's it's just a um, social media scheduler. There's nothing special about it. It's like Buffer or Hootsuite. Um, and it and some people argue because they're like, oh, it throttles your your traffic. Well, yes, that's true. It does throttle your traffic a little bit. Mm-hmm. But seventy percent of people seeing my stuff is a whole lot better than zero percent of people seeing my stuff. Um, so so I'm okay with it. Um, Schedule once is a tool that I use all the time because inside of there, not only does that give them access to my calendar and my sales reps calendars, um, but also there are forms in there and there are lots of different ways that you can do this. But the cool part is, is when somebody schedules it in schedule once, I never have to prep for an appointment because inside of there is my zoom link and they've already filled out all those questions. So all the information that I need is right there. I just click on the button, up pops the thing, and I'm ready to go. Nice. So, Nice. Yeah, I think um, Social B is one of those platforms. Um, and I found Social B through, um, what was that? It was one of the, not affiliate programs, but it was like when they first started out. So it was, actually it was it AppSumo. AppSumo? Yeah. AppSumo I deal. love AppSumo. Oh, um, <laughs> Dude, like I, I could sit here and talk about AppSumo day in and day out because it gives us as an opportunity not only to get in on the ground level, yep. but to actually talk to the developers and manipulate the, their applications for our needs and our requirements because they're so brand new in the market space. So, I mean, with Social B, it, it's um, to kind of dive into that a little bit more. I mean, obviously, anybody that's familiar with like Hootsuite and all these other platforms, I, I like Social B because it's simple to use and it makes it very transparent to use it, like versus all these other like Hootsuite, for example, you kind of have to drill down and you kind of have to figure out like, okay, how do I install this? How do I set this up? But Social B is just so kind of like clean and simple that you can just drop a CSV file in there and have a year's worth of content ready to go automatically done for you. Are you using it for that same premise or are you using any other hidden bells and whistles of Social B? Yeah. Um, I have mine segmented by... So I don't necessarily just drop a year's worth of um, general content. Um, I have each bucket have a specific reason. Um, and I keep all my stuff evergreen in there, right? So it can just keep yep. cycling through. Uh, and so what I try to do is I try to do like three value posts and two sales posts, right? Mm-hmm. So one is just dropping value. One's a call to action. Um, and I shouldn't say call to action. Every post that you have should have a call to action if you're mm-hmm. if you're being a smart business owner. Um, but one is, you know, like actually just delivering value and hey, we could help you out. The other one is, hey, I've got this thing, you need it. Mm-hmm. Here's where you click. Um, and then I have in addition to that, um, every time I use uh case studies and testimonials like crazy, um, I'm constantly uh, filtering those through too. Mm-hmm. So the nice part is each bucket 
um, is, I am so sorry. I thought I closed all these and it's like, okay. I don't know if you could hear all the dinging, but um, it's, uh, and so that's one of the super, super cool parts is because as you build the system, mm-hmm. um, social B is flexible enough that it can, it can move with your marketing goals mm-hmm. and you can then set it up where it's like evergreen. It's literally set it and forget it. Um, and so that's the part that, that I love about it is the really simple, simple, um, graphic user interface. Like it's just drag and drop and here you mm-hmm. go, have a nice day. Um, and it's, it's very, it's less expensive than, mm-hmm. uh, like Hootsuite and Buffer. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like I talked no, about you, you definitely did. You definitely did. I mean, it's, it's, it's point blank period. It's, it's a great, great, great application. And obviously, again, I've said it many times before. If you're not familiar with AppSumo, just put AppSumo on, on your list to do before the night's out. And it'll probably change things for you drastically really quickly. So this to dive into like final words of wisdom. Let's say I'm someone... 20s, 30 years old, I had like some kind of crisis in my life. You know, maybe I had a stroke, maybe I have cancer, but now I have an opportunity. I'm at the fork in the road. I can subside to the depression side and kind of give up and quit, or you're my voice of reason. What are you going to say to me to to make me lean more towards the voice of reason and achieve something for my life? Mm. Yeah. Going back and thinking at that point in my life, um, I was in so much pain and I was literally laying in bed all day, just in so much pain. You just, you literally just want to escape the pain. And I think if I had to tell myself, it would be, it's okay. It's not going to be like this forever. Just keep going. If you can just get 1% better, all all you have to do is just, just, just brush your teeth today. That's all you have to do. Um, And as we slowly build on those blocks, you'll realize that life can, can become better. And it doesn't, is it going to be the same way that it was? No, no, it never will. Um, I'm a shell of what I used to be, to be very honest. But that doesn't have to stop you. That if you can find the courage to dig inside of you and pick yourself up and keep going, you will find a way to make it work and just don't give up. There's going to be crappy days and it's okay to have crappy days, but just don't give yourself the excuse every single day that, Oh, today's a crappy day. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, definitely powerful, powerful stuff. So how could our audience find you now i know eventually you're planning on on disappearing and and letting the system run right but how can they find you on social media like what's your handle website yeah so um i primarily hang out on linkedin and facebook uh so you can find me on facebook under uh diakonos 23 so that's d-i-a-k-o-n-o-s-2-3 and then on linkedin it's just uh michelle e thompson so also, I think if you um, just type in awesome outsourcing, our business pages will come up from there. And obviously, awesomeoutsourcing.com, uh, you can send me an email there. So let's just dive into like your services a little bit. Like, like who is the two-part question, right? Who is your ideal target audience and mm-hmm. what kind of price point buy-in from like range can they come in? Yep. So... We are looking for entrepreneurs who are at six figures 
looking to scale to seven, but they're wearing too many hats and they yeah. just can't seem to grow because they can't figure out how to get those hats off. Right. And that is where our superpower really comes in because we can sit down and we can tear apart all those hats and figure out, okay, this one you have to keep, this one we can delete, this one we can get off your plate. Okay. And, um, and so we work in bucket of hours. So it's either um, 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week. And we make it pretty simple. It's 1675 an hour um, for, for the work. We also do uh, lead generation. So if that's where your point is, like you've got the system set up, but you need to turn the pipeline on, um, we can do uh, lead generation on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, and that's 1200 a month. And uh, you can, if you go to awesomeoutsourcing.com slash services, uh, every, all the pricing and um, all the details is uh, is right there for you. I'm not too worried about anybody stealing my stuff and duplicating it, so... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think it, it's you have it so honed in. It's kind of like you know someone's chasing behind you, and you're well ahead of them. It may take them a longer period of time to figure out your nuts and bolts versus just hiring you to to get the job done. So, yeah, only makes sense. So let's just go into some bonus questions. All right, love it. Bonus yeah. questions. Bonus questions. So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be, and why? Henry Ford. And the reason I picked him was he was the master at hiring people who were smarter than he was and then building a system around it. And I would love to pick his brain on how he was able to, to take people who were so much smarter than him and fit them in the system and, and turn it into what he did. And I mean, you got to think about that too. I mean, when he did it, it was, you know, well over a hundred years ago and it was just kind of kind of i guess it was like the, the industrial revolution time frame but how how he created a system in that time frame and knew that that system was going to last for as long as it i mean we still have parts of that system now it's kind of ingenious in itself for him to even have that much foresight it's crazy yeah definitely crazy so last bonus question your what's your most significant achievement to date not giving up. <laughs> I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but like if you could have seen the three years of struggle mm. to get to here, it would have been really easy to just give up. And I'm sure you have the exact same story. Um, you know, there were days when I was like, uh, you know, like how I want to go to physical therapy again, <laughs> you know? And so honestly, I think that being able to, to take such a horrible thing, like a stroke, and turn mm -hmm. it into something positive that's actually giving back to people. Mm -hmm. um, I would have to say that's probably my greatest achievement to this point. Wow. I, I definitely, I mean, I think obviously in life, there's many achievements we could come across, but, you know, just in hearing your story and being inspired by your story, I could definitely commend you and tell you that I 100% agree with you. I think that is a, not just an achievement, but it, it's, you're scaled your achievement. It's not just about you. It's about so many other people. It's, it's remarkable that you have enough insight to not only do it, but you're doing it and you're doing it well. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, going into closing, right? Uh, as we had this conversation, I mean, maybe you've had some questions that have, have came up that you may want to ask me. So this is the time that, you know, the microphone, the floor is yours. Are there any questions that you'd like to ask me? What was the 
first thing that you delegated that you didn't feel like you had to micromanage? First thing that I delegated that I didn't feel like I had to micromanage. I think it's three things off the top of my head. One was editing this podcast. It was just, I found someone that was just a great editor and I had opportunity to kind of give him some piecemeal. And, you know, at that point, it was system at that point. He, he could do the job without me having to think twice about it. In addition to that, it was another VA that I, I hired. And originally he was just a regular VA. And, you know, I'm really big on asking them the questions of like, okay, you're a VA, but what is your background? What is it that you really want to do? And in, in that conversation, I found out that he was more of like a developer, more software, more web. So I was like, okay, dude, like, I, I don't want to waste your time giving you PA work when you are like a developer and you want to code and that's what you love to do. So it gave me opportunity to pull him from that space and bring him into the development space. So like now he's kind of running that behind the scenes for me. Nice. That's awesome. So did you feel like it was, sorry, I know I'm not interviewing you, but did you feel like it was, it was easier to hand off tasks that you didn't know anything about? Before stroke, hell no. Before stroke, I was, everything was mine. Like, you know, I was walking around with these barrels of jugs and I'm holding on to all this weight, lugging it around. Probably one of the reasons why I had a damn stroke to begin with. Right. And then after that, it was just kind of like, well, how can I scale if I'm the only one doing anything? How could I multiply if I'm doing everything? So kind of like to where you were, I'm kind of in that space now to where I've opened up to where okay, I got to outsource everything I possibly can. I have to create a system for everything I possibly can. If someone sends me an email, I want it to automatically respond back with this. I want to automatically send them this before I even had a time to even open my email to even think about giving them a response. Yep. Yep. That's funny. We we both have the exact same story, which is, which is kind of why I think sometimes people have such a hard time delegating, right? Because we were forced to, and they're not forced to yet. So it's harder for them a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I think everything happens for a reason. I mean, even you and I crossing our paths, like if I didn't have a stroke, I wouldn't be doing this podcast potentially. If you didn't have a stroke, you probably wouldn't be doing what you're doing. And our lives probably wouldn't have over overlapped down the road. So everything happens for a reason. And it's kind of like I said, like, I feel like we're kindred spirits because we have so, so many similarities in our stories and the return of that investment is we're helping other people. And that's the best thing you can do to create a legend. It's like, how can I give people something that would help them because I can do it and then I can teach someone else to do it. And again, I'm teaching them how to fish. I'm not just delivering fish to them. My favorite quote of all times. Yes. I love it. Crazy. Well, I mean, to come to a close, Michelle, I mean, I definitely appreciate your time. I definitely commend you for what you're doing. You're definitely an inspiration to people that have strokes and people that don't have strokes. You're just inspiration in general. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Definitely. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. 
Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.